witches in Berkeley are conjuring up evil spirits outside a Marine recruiting center trying to stop the war in Iraq. More details straight ahead. And today we will spend some time with Dr. David Cook, the Arthur F. Holmes Professor of Faith and Learning at Wheaton College and this year's recipient of the Honorary Doctorate at Criswell College. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. It's very clear that it's understandable why they would not want me to be president of the United States. So, if if Senator Obama is uh, favored by Hamas, I think people can make judgments accordingly. All right, that's John McCain. He's running for president of the United States. And he says, really, you know, Obama is wrong because all the wrong people are supporting him. He's saying that Hamas prefers Barack Obama. Why? Because John McCain would be tougher on the terrorists. Do you remember this happening uh, four years ago when Osama bin Laden more or less endorsed John Kerry over George Bush? It was the kiss of death, really, uh, for Kerry uh, the week before the election. Well, here's Barack Obama reacting to that smear. Yeah, th- th- this is offensive. And I think it's, it's disappointing because John McCain always says, well, I'm not going to run that kind of politics. Well, we will see. We will keep you updated. But the battle lines are being drawn. It's really going to be McCain versus Obama. It's only a matter of time now, I think, till Hillary Clinton drops out. She may be the VP, but it's McCain or Obama. With us today in the studio is Dr. David Cook. He is the author Holmes Professor of Faith and Learning at Wheaton College. He is also the Distinguished Scholar at Crystal College College's Oxford Distinguished Scholars term every year uh, in the summer. We take students over to Oxford, and Dr. Cook um, tutors these students in the British method. He is also uh, a man who served as fellow and chaplain of Green College there at Oxford University. Frequent guest here on Jerry Johnson Live. Welcome back, Dr. Cook. Thank you. Good to be here. Dr. Cook, um, we're excited tomorrow that you're going to be receiving the Doctor of Divinity Award at Crystal College's graduation service. You're Not also- as excited as I am. <laughs> You're going to be preaching. And we invite folks to come out and join us at 10 o'clock right here at Gaston Avenue um, and Haskell at Criswell College. Join us if you want to come out and hear Dr. Cook preach and to see him receive this award. Uh, but Dr. Cook and I um, have something in common as we think about the U.K. 
And um, something I noticed years ago, uh, I went to Stonehenge, and uh, my wife and I were on the tour, and all of a sudden the tour guide took out some witching rods. This was a official Stonehenge tour guide. And she said, uh, this is a sacred place. We can learn from these ancient peoples. She said, if you walk across this threshold, which represents the womb, she said, uh, look at these rods pull together. And then as I walk away, they pull apart. One man in the crowd, Dr. Cook, uh, said, I'll take those rods. He tried it. Nothing happened. She said, oh, you've got to be in tune with the earth, with the spirits. And and uh, we got back on the bus, and, and the guide said to me, how did you like that tour? I said, well, I thought it was interesting, but let me ask you a question. I said, are you a witch? She said, no, uh, I'm a Mormon. <laughs> but she said, I love all things pagan. I'm really excited about paganism, but I haven't given up yet on Jesus Christ, so I'm still a Mormon. I think she was really mixed up. But what it did show me is that paganism and witchcraft are being mainstreamed in America, in the United States. I want to play some sound because... Uh, we had today uh, Code Pink. This is a self-proclaimed grassroots peace and social justice movement. Uh, they want to end the war in Iraq and stop new Nothing new about this group. They've been protesting in D.C. and so forth. But uh, they're actually having witches conjure up evil spirits outside of a Marine recruiting center. They want to kill the effort to recruit soldiers. Uh, here's Fox News reporter. Gloria Cowan. Today, Code Pink will perform what they call rituals of leaving, and they'll cast spells to discourage young people from enlisting in America's war on terror, or as the Code Pink group says on its website, quote, rendering nil the recruiting of our youth to become fodder for the occupation of Iraq, end quote. Dr. Cook, we have come a long way from the Salem witch trials in America. Uh, used to, this was something in the dark, behind the scenes. Uh, what have you noticed about the mainstreaming of witchcraft in the U.S. and the U.K.? In the U.K., one of the interesting things is I get invited to speak to all the hospital chaplains in the U.K. And the last time I went, just three or four years ago, one of the chaplains was a witch. <laughs> and there she is sitting in, in the group. And I asked you know, what she was doing. And she said, now there are people in hospital who are witches, who are Wicca, and want to have some kind of spiritual input from paganism. It's fascinating to me. You talk about the witches of Salem. I go back to when the first missionaries arrived in Great Britain, way back you know, at the turn of the centuries, and the problem was paganism. And paganism did all kinds of things, and Christianity transformed. It brought civilization, it brought order, it brought structure. And this is back to the bad old days. I'm just frightened for these witches. They conjure up evil spirits, they'll find that evil is alive and well. Mm. Let's go back again um, to this protest in Berkeley. Again, um, these witches are pronouncing uh, hexes, uh, curses upon the recruiters, and um, this is angering many people around the state, including members of the pro-war group MoveAmericaForward.org. And they had some choice words for the witches of Berkeley. 
The pro-war group MoveAmericaForward.org has some choice quotes of its own, calling this whole action despicable and saying that to have a coven of witches outside casting spells against the Marines is insulting and quite frankly, they say, quote, we wish they would just fly on their brooms and head off to a country that is more to their liking. All right, this is the mainstreaming of witchcraft now uh, in political action. We thought we had seen it all, but here here they go, opposing the war, trying to curse uh, the recruiters. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Dr. David Cook of Oxford and Wheaton College, and uh, we're talking about the mainstreaming of witchcraft in Western culture, in the U.K., in the U.S. Uh, if you have some experience in a school or at work or in the military, um, with the mainstreaming, really, the normalization of witchcraft. And we're not talking here about burning witches or hanging witches or persecuting witches, but we're talking about now witches really practicing in the open. We want your question. We want your comment. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Dr. Cook, I was intrigued a moment ago. You said, look, if they're going to pronounce... Uh, these curses, they're going to call upon evil, evil spirits. Uh, beware, really, of what you what you ask for. Let's talk about this according to the biblical and Christian worldview. What is the testimony of the Old Testament, of the New Testament, when it comes to witchcraft? Well, the Old Testament's very clear. That people were forbidden to consult witches and to ask for the help of witches because they know that when you conjure up evil, evil actually does serious harm to people. G.K. Chesterton was a well-known writer, and he said, you know, if people don't believe in God, they'll believe in anything. And that's what's happening now. People are beginning to believe in anything. But it's not just witches. You think, you know, pick up a newspaper and what do you have? You have astrology. You have the stars. And, and perfectly sane, sensible people are reading their stars as if somehow our fate is written in the stars rather than believing that God is ultimately in control. And there's a struggle going on, a struggle between good and evil. We've got to make the right choice. Mm. And in the New Testament, of course, Galatians 5 says the works of the flesh are these, uh, idolatry and sorcery or witchcraft. Um, this is serious, according to the New Testament, according to the Old Testament. I think of that passage about Saul who disobeyed, and uh, in disobeying, uh, he thought it wasn't so serious. And the prophet said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And it's sort of as if uh, witchcraft is not the gold standard, but it's the evil standard. That is, that to compare anything with witchcraft puts it in the worst kind of a category. And uh, it is true that in the Old Testament, witches were stoned, uh, witches were burned, witches were hacked, uh, witches were executed. And it is true that uh, in the name of the Old Testament, at one point, suspected witches were executed uh, in early America. I think everyone focuses upon that excess, and um, but now that's certainly not the problem. That's not the case. We've got a different kind of excess, and that is actually the mainstreaming, the normalization. We had movies like The Craft years ago, Dr. Cook, and, you know, among young people, this was a very popular movie. It's still at the top of the rental list because it showed... Um, Witchcraft is something uh, hip, chic. Uh, young people, they want to experiment. What are the dangers of that? Well, the trouble is that there is a fascination that we often have with the awful, the terrible, the evil. And I think those kinds of movies and often music 
uh, and some of the lyrics in, in some of the modern songs really kind of celebrate that kind of evil. And young people don't realize the way that they are being affected and the way their view of other people and the way they relate to other people becomes affected by witchcraft. What's interesting to me is in the quote that was paid in, uh, in this relationship with this organization, here is a... a, 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 a a condemnation of young men and women who are willing to fight for their country, a condemnation of people who are willing to fight in the name of freedom and of truth. Uh, and, you know, if, if witches are opposed to that, then what kind of evil spirits are we talking about here? It's so mixed up and nonsensical. Woe unto those who call good evil and evil good. If you have a story or a question about witchcraft, you could call now. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. We've got television shows like Charmed, movies like uh, The Witches of Eastwick, The Craft. Uh, and you do see the mainstreaming now of um, paganism uh, and the occult in schools, in the military, and now even in political protest, it's really uh, fascinating. Uh, Dr. Cook, what would your counsel be to someone, you know, who's out there and uh, they say, you know, I'm spiritual? And, and I think that's, a, that's popular today for people to say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I want to tap into any kind of a spirit. And I'm exploring. And... Uh, if they can make contact with the spirit, I mean, that's really dangerous. It's very dangerous indeed. And one of the uh, fears about the awful tragedy in Austria, where a man took advantage of his own daughter, imprisoned her, and, and raped her against her will, actually murdered one of his own children. It's a horrific kind of story, and it smacks of witchcraft and evil. Uh, I read today that he said, Hitler inspired me. Hitler consulted witches. Mm. Hitler was affected by that whole dimension of evil. And, and we talk about spirituality. But but there's good spirituality and there's bad spirituality. And w we talked about the way in which sometimes there have been excessive treatments of witches. Yes, but why? Because people saw that this was a really serious business. And the point behind punishing witches was because this is a serious thing which will radically affect individuals and communities. And we've got to protect individuals and communities. That's Dr. David Cook of Oxford University. He'll be speaking at Criswell College tomorrow, receiving the Doctor of Divinity degree at our graduation. We invite you to join us at 10 o'clock. We also have, holding on the line, Sharon from Arlington. Sharon, if you'll wait, we'll take your question right when we come back about witchcraft or sorcery or paganism. Also, with this disaster in old Burma, Myanmar, over 100,000 dead, the question comes up again, how can a good God who is all-powerful allow this kind of a catastrophe, this kind of an evil. Let's talk about the problem of suffering and pain and the good God who is all-powerful when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian 
frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You know, that, that, that is the subject of uh, generations uh, of commentary and uh, debate. And I, I don't know. I can't wait to ask him uh, because <laughs> I have just pondered it endlessly. All right, this is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College, and that was Senator Hillary Clinton. She's running for president of the United States. That was her response at CNN's Faith Forum a few weeks ago when she was asked how a loving God could allow suffering in the world. In just a minute, we're going to talk about the cyclone, 100,000 people dead in Myanmar. And uh, really, we're going to explore this question again. How could a good God, who's all-powerful, allow suffering? That troubles a lot of people. We want to talk about it. But right now, we're talking with Dr. David Cook about the resurgence of paganism and witchcraft and sorcery in the UK, in the United States, and particularly these protesters, these witches who are pronouncing curses uh, on the recruiters at the recruiting stations. And we've got a caller on the line, Sharon from Arlington. Sharon, what's your question or comment for Dr. Cook? Uh, hello. I, I just wanted to make a comment that I think this fascination with witchcraft has been in the school system for a long time among young people. And even when I was in middle school, which was in the 80s, uh, there was a boy next to me one day. He knew I was a Christian, and he said, hey, I've got a satanic Bible, and I'm going to put a curse on you. And um, my, I told my mom, she called the principal, and the principal said, well, I'm going to put a curse on his rear end. And the next day he did get punished for that. But um, I have also heard about, um, you know, these witches that are so much into the curse uh, terminology. They are also very sensitive when that is brought back upon them uh, in the way of, I think there's something in Psalms about, you know, the curses returning upon their heads. And they... Uh, they do respond uh, seriously to someone in the name of Jesus uh, bl- blocking that curse, if you will, and putting that back upon them. Uh, so I don't know if that would be helpful for uh, spiritual warfare today in this context or not, but those are some of the things that I've heard. Thank you so much, Sharon. Dr. Cook, here's my question based upon Sharon's thought here. is uh, A lot of times Christians are intimidated and afraid and really terrorized by the notion that there are witches in their community or in their school or where they work or in the military situation. Um, But as believers, uh, we don't have to cower uh, before that. Um, What is the antidote for, you know, these kinds of curses, this kind of intimidation, this kind of satanic presence? What's the biblical antidote? The biblical antidote is very simple. It's the name of Jesus. Mm. And I just wish that many Christians could travel to parts of Africa and part of India where witchcraft is alive and well. And Christians respond with confidence because they believe in the God who is Mm. able, the God who can change, the Mm. God who can transform, the God who can protect. And in the powerful name of Jesus, we can challenge Mm. the ultimate evil powers. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what the Bible says. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Remember that. You don't have to be afraid 
in the midst of that kind of evil. Well, there's another kind of evil out there, and uh, we're reminded every time there's a tornado, every time there's an earthquake, every time there is a hurricane, that um, nature is um, capable of killing thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And we've just been reading and seeing and hearing about a cyclone in uh, old Burma, Myanmar, over 100,000 people now probably dead. And it's a tragedy, a tragedy. And uh, Hillary Clinton was asked uh, at the CNN Faith Forum debate a few weeks ago about the classic old question, um, how uh, do we understand suffering and what should we do about it? Now, she turned this in kind of a political, a political thing. Uh, here's Senator Clinton again. In the face of suffering, there is no doubt in my mind that God calls us to respond. You know, that's part of what we are expected to do. For whatever reason it exists, its very existence is a call to action. Right, a call to action. Well, I'll say as a conservative, I believe that, and I believe that uh, the church, the individuals, must be called to action. I think Senator Clinton would say more the government is always called to action. And, in fact, our government is helping a lot right now over there in Burma. But I want to go beyond uh, the political debate today because this show is about the Christian worldview, and we've got a great philosopher here with us, Dr. E. David Cook, who teaches philosophy, theology, and ethics at Oxford, at Wheaton, at Criswell. It's a great opportunity to go back to a very old question, Dr. Cook, and that is the problem of evil and suffering. And uh, I'd like for you to pose the problem first, because a lot of people uh, may not have thought about this. Uh, it is a serious conundrum, theologically. What is the problem of evil and suffering? Well, it's often expressed in the problem of whether or not a good God can allow evil things to happen. Because if he does, then is he really good or is he really all-powerful? So often it's really a question about the very nature of God. But I think that actually we misunderstand the way in which our, our humanity is related to the world. Because if you take the opening chapters of Genesis, you read that human beings made bad choices— and as a result of bad choices, bad things happen to human beings, bad things happen to their relationships with each other, but bad things happen to their relationship with the world. Mm. So the world doesn't behave as it's meant to be. And so when cyclones and tornadoes and you know overflowing floods happen, that's not the way God intended it. But we live in a fallen world. And so... I, I work in a hospice with dying people, and the, 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 the person who runs the hospice is a fine Christian doctor. And all the time, individuals say to him, why am I suffering from cancer? Why am I suffering at all? And he says to them, why not? And I thought that was a shocking thing to say. <laughs> But then yeah. he said, you know, it's, it's a perfectly proper question. Do we imagine that in this world everything will be wonderful, everything will be good all the time, and we'll have no pain and no suffering? Or is the normal human life uh, a, a life of pain and evil, and how do we cope with that? You see, what worries me about Senator Clinton, first of all, she wants to ask God a question. On Judgment Day, she should be worried about the questions God got to ask her. <laughs> but, but also, she wants to say it's about how we respond to other people's suffering. I, th I think the much harder question is how we ourselves, when we are confronted with pain and suffering, respond to that pain and suffering. And how we help those who are in pain and suffering, not uh, just 
overcome some of the issues that face them, but actually cope with physical suffering, with psychological suffering, with spiritual suffering, which are realities. Uh, and people need to have not just a worldview, but they need to have an experience of a God who loves them and a community which circles around them and supports them. And that's the wonderful thing about the hospice movement. Well, it is true. Tonight you're driving home and maybe something going on in your life and you, you have been tempted with the, uh, the doubt, the thought, how could God let this happen? Let this happen to my family. Let this happen to me. And maybe it is a cancer. Uh, maybe it is an evil that you've suffered at the hands of someone else. Or maybe you look at the evening news uh, or at the Internet and you say, how could this happen? How could a good God allow this to happen? Uh, Dr. Cook, going all the way back, beginning at the beginning, I think that's fascinating. You go back to Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are stewards over the earth. They break that covenant with God, and God says the ground is going to be cursed. Uh, you know, Paul gives the back side of that, and I want to read that from Romans 8 and ask you to comment on it, because I think it's an interesting passage. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered up from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. What's that about, Dr. Cook? Well, it's about a very real description of tornadoes and earthquakes. It's a a description of how the world actually uh, is out of joint, but but we're not without hope. Uh, I think one of the things about evil and suffering in the world is it doesn't make sense. That's what's so evil about it. If it made sense, we would understand it. We'd be able to cope with it. That's good. But but we can't make sense of it. It's nonsense. And what what do we want? We want God to intervene. Uh, I'm in the kitchen. I'm chopping a tomato, and I'm just about to cut my finger. God pops in. He turns my knife into butter. I see my finger. I take it away, and then God pops out again. The knife turns back into metal, (laughs) and I carry on cutting. What kind of world would it be if we didn't understand cause and effect? And, And cause and effect, natural processes means that sometimes bad things happen even to good people. That's the way that the fallen world is. And it's a world which, as you're reading from Romans 8, will will be redeemed, will be transformed, will be changed. So we're not people without hope. Now, Dr. Cook talked earlier about uh, Senator Clinton wanting to put God in the dock. Uh, Well, and to ask him questions. Well, here's Senator Clinton again saying, uh, I think the prophets call us to action. You know, in in my uh, Judeo-Christian faith tradition, in both the Old and the New Testament, uh, the the incredible demands that God places on us and that the prophets ask of us and that Christ called us to respond to on behalf of the poor are unavoidable. And it's always been curious to me how our debate about religion in America too often misses that. Well, I want to say I think she is wrong when she says that uh, she's going to ask God that question as if um, she could accuse him uh, of allowing evil. But she's right to say that uh, we should be called to action when we see people suffering. I guess the question is, uh, who will do the acting? Is it the individual? Is it the church? Is it the family? Or is uh, Big Brother... Is the government, it takes a village, going to do all the acting? Well, that's the difference probably between a conservative and a liberal when it comes to politics. And she tends to say that government will provide all the answers. 
But boy, the scriptures we read, we know this. In terms of this earth and all the suffering that's here, uh, Jesus Christ really is the only answer. His return, His rule, His reign. Creation is groaning, waiting for the redemption of the sons of God, waiting for the return of Christ. And we're looking for the King of Kings, not a president, conservative or liberal, uh, to bring the end to this kind of suffering. When we come back more with Dr. David Cook, we've got some callers on the line about witchcraft. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. One of the goals that I will be presenting is health insurance for every child and universal health care for every American. That will be, you know, a very major part of my campaign. All right, that's Hillary Clinton. She's running for president of the United States. She's promising health care for every child, universal health care for every American. And Senator Obama making even a greater promise. He has promised over 40 million folks health insurance, including over 10 million illegal immigrants. What do you think about that? The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. With us is Dr. E. David Cook, fellow and chaplain, Green College. That's the medical college based at Oxford University. Dr. Cook serving on many uh, councils and commissions in the U.K., especially uh, in terms of medical research, medical ethics. He's an expert in this field. Dr. Cook, it seems to me uh, that the Holy Grail, particularly uh, for a certain kind of politician, is to promise free, free everything, but particularly free health care. People are frustrated today with health care, but um, I'm just wondering if free health care, which means it's government health care, is, is the way to go. And uh, we don't have to imagine what that would look like. Uh, you know firsthand what that's like coming from the U.K. Let's talk about government-run health care. First of all, there's no such thing as free health care. Uh, all health care has to be paid for, and we pay for health care, whether it's across Europe or in the United Kingdom. We are paying. We're paying a heavy level of taxation. So the question is then, how do we deliver health care to a particular population and to each individual? And in, in the American system, it tends to be through insurance companies. Uh, in the, many of the European systems, it's a mixture. In the United Kingdom, there's almost no private health care, though there is a little, but almost none. For rich people, I suppose. For rich people who can afford very high premiums. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's the government uh, which supplies it through taxation. But the taxation level is very high, and the delivery system is very slow. I myself suffered from uh, severe heart pains, which turned out to be heart disease, and I spent months trying to see a specialist, but was unable to do that because of the system. Now, I'm somebody who knows the system. I'm somebody who can play the system. I'm somebody who can beat the system, but still I couldn't get to see a specialist. I came to the United States, and within three days I saw a heart specialist and had major heart surgery as a result of that. So there are tremendous advantages. The difficulty is, is there a basic level of health care we ought to be supplying for all members of our community and our society? And if that's the case, who's going to pay for that? Let me ask you this question as a Christian. Um, do you think that we can promise as a society 
free health care for everyone. Uh, no. I, I think that what we as Christians in a society can promise is that we will do the very best we can to care for people's basic needs. But, you know, I, I've known uh, women who want cosmetic surgery. I've known men who want uh, uh, Viagra, uh, and they want the government to supply this. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, is this something that people need, or is this simply something that people want? And I think we need to make some very careful distinctions about what our basic level of health care. The, the biggest transformation in health care throughout Europe was supplying clean water. Once they supplied clean water to people, disease dropped. Wow. Now, that was not government health care. That was a very concerned policy about the water that people drink. That's what the people in old Burma are requiring. They want clean water. They want food. Uh, health care is nice if we can provide it. But what is the basic level mm. of care as opposed to the specialist high level of demand? Mm. High-tech medicine that we expect because we watch ER and Grey's Anatomy and we think it's all going to happen all the time. <laughs> Well, here's Hillary Clinton on, on a promise. If we don't get our health care costs under control, we're going to continue to lose jobs. And that's why we have to have universal, quality, affordable health care. It's a jobs issue as well as a health issue. Dr. Cook, I've asked you about the Christian uh, obligation. Uh, this is a financial point she's making. I heard someone say, if you think health care is expensive now, wait until it's free. Uh, in your experience, is health care less expensive in the end if it's government-run or if it's uh, private? It's very hard to give a blanket answer to that because it depends on what else the government is charging in terms of taxation and what else the government is producing for you. Uh, I think the, the difference I would characterize is that if you have a minor ailment, then the kind of nationalized health service uh, is, is good quality in the United Kingdom. But if you have a serious illness, I think there is nothing to touch the health care delivery system in the United States. So if I'm going to be seriously ill, I don't want it to be here. If I want basic stuff, I'll go back to the U.K. Well, let's open up the phone lines now. Questions about health care, questions about the problem of evil, questions about witchcraft, 800-881-9270. we got callers holding. You're on with Dr. David Cook. we got Mark from Fort Worth. Mark, thank you for calling. What's your question? Well, I just had three thoughts on why these calamities happen on the earth. Uh, one is Jesus asked, was asked this question when he was on earth uh, about, I think it was about the Tyre Shalom. And he said, repent for the judgment of God is at hand. Mm. And then I was on the cru uh, cruise ship about three years ago, and a woman asked this question to me. And I'm asking the Lord for, for an answer for this woman. I knew what, the, what Jesus said. But this woman had a critical problem of a woman that was going to die. And I looked on the ocean, and it seems like the answer just came to me. I said, well, life is like the ocean. Some days you have smooth sailing. Some days it's a little choppy. And some days you get hit by big waves and storms. But as a believer, when we get to land, we're home. God's waiting for us. Not only that, the Lord is with us through the smooth sailing, the choppy seas, and the big waves. And I said, God bless you that morning, and I left. So the Lord is with us, and when you have the Lord with you, any, you can have miracles happen. And then I had another thought, calamity and judgment. If things don't happen, people don't change. Mm. Dr. It's Cook. The job, it's the job for the Christian to witness in times of calamity and things that happen. And that's just all I Thanks. had to say. Thanks, Mark. Well, there's a whole lot there, Dr. Cook. Your response. Uh, my response is it's really interesting that we, we can uh, affirm, as our caller just affirmed, that God is with us in suffering. But how do I know that? 
I know that because Jesus became a human being, because Jesus Mm. suffered and died. Jesus experienced pain, the pain of death and parting, the, the pain at the grave of Lazarus, the pain of being disappointed, the physical pain that was the crucifixion. I watched The Passion of Christ and saw the reality of that physical suffering that Christ experienced. God knows what it feels like to experience that suffering. And Christ brings hope and resurrection. So there is transformation that's possible. So it's not just hope and everything will work out okay. It's we have a God who understands. It always goes back to the cross. Dee, on the line from Mesquite, thank you for calling and holding. What's your question? Uh, Yes, I wanted to ask Dr. Cook. Uh, I went to work uh, about 10 years ago at a factory in the so somehow uh, a satanic group there kind of uh, uh, hooked onto me, and um, you know I've done the prayer, I've done the you know resist the devil, I've done the uh, you know quoting scriptures, which works for a little while, but it just keeps coming back uh, this harassment from this group. So I was just wondering if you know if he had another something more something else I could do. Well, thank you. It seems to me that one of the dangers is that we try to do things on our own, and and we don't use prayer warriors. Uh, One of the greatest delights in my life is I know there are people who every day support me in prayer. So it's not just me trying harder or me trying to respond on my own. It's I know that there are people who are praying for me. Uh, I used to do a lot of broadcasting back in the UK, and sometimes people would ask me a question. I had no idea what to say, but I knew people were praying for me, and God would give me that word. And so I, I think that you need to get people surrounding you, people who are supportive of you, people who understand your needs and will pray and support you in that situation. But the good news, the good news is that actually Satan and evil is only interested when it sees genuine goodness. And so the fact that you're under attack shows the reality of goodness as well as the reality of evil. Yeah, if we could hear them talking, they might be bothered more by you, Dee, than you are by them. That could be a really good thing. Thanks for calling. We've got Ted on the line from Frisco. Ted, thank you for calling and holding. Uh, You're on the air with Dr. Cook. Very good. Um, I wanted to make a comment on a book that I just read by an ex-atheist Yale graduate, Ph.D., by the name of Gregory Boyd. He wrote a book called The Letters of a Skeptic, and he had an encounter with Christ and, and just totally turned him around. But his dad was just a huge skeptic, agnostic, uh, basically an atheist, and he was putting these huge questions forth to to, uh, to Greg. And Greg responded, uh, you know, that he asked him, you know, how, how could a good God create Satan? And Greg, uh, being as educated as he is, and as well as spiritual, he said, God didn't create Satan. He created Lucifer. And Lucifer, because of freedom of choice, had a tremendous capacity for love, at the same time a tremendous capacity for evil. And unfortunately, he chose evil. And, and Satan is called the God of this world. And so some of the calamity, I think, has to be attributed to Satan, who has blinded the eyes of most of the world to where they can't see the light of the gospel. And we see in Job that he he has granted some powers over, over the elements of the earth as far as the wind and the you know tornadoes and that kind of thing. I just think that's something to consider. All right. Thank you so much, Ted, for the call. We're out of time in this segment. When we come back, we'll react to uh, Ted, who is really quoting Greg Boyd. And uh, there is a question about how much freedom... God allows Satan. That's uh, the question of the book of Job. But Greg Boyd is also an open theist. 
And uh, Greg Boyd says that God doesn't always know the future. The God can't always change the present. So that's another solution that some theologians come up with to uh, deal with the problem of evil. Is that satisfactory, though, to say that God doesn't know the future or that God can't do anything about it? So we're going to struggle with that conundrum in just a minute. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Dr. David Cook. We want to invite you to come out to the chapel tomorrow at 10 o'clock here at Creswell College. Dr. Cook will be preaching at the graduation service. It's open to the public. You join us. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. We've got more work to do to make sure that every single American has decent, affordable, quality health care in this country. We can do it by the end of the next president's first term. All right, that's Barack Obama, the presumptive Democrat nominee. He is promising universal health care by the end of the first term. We've got a caller holding on the line about health care. We've got a health care expert here with us, Dr. David Cook of Green College, Oxford University, the leading premier research medical college at Oxford University in the United Kingdom. But we just had a caller, Dr. Cook, who was talking about the problem of evil. And yes, sometimes God grants um, uh, Satan an ability uh, limited ability to harass us. We see that in the book of Job. But uh, he quoted Greg Boyd, and that uh, reminds us that uh, Greg Boyd is proposing open theism as a solution to the problem of evil, which really says that God may not know what's about to happen. He may not know the decision uh, that someone's going to make because it's a free decision, and that God may even be limited in his omniscience, omnipotence to respond. Do you find that a satisfactory answer to the problem of evil? I find it terrifying. When I was a child, <laughs> I read a book called Your God is Too Small, and a God who doesn't know what the future is, a God who doesn't have the power to make a difference, is no God at all. Mm. And uh, it's offering no hope, no promise of anything different for people if we embrace that kind of non-solution. You see, the reality is that uh, God gives people freedom. Uh, I have two grandchildren. And sometimes they say to me, Grandpa, I love you. Now, sometimes it's because their parents say, Tell Grandpa you love him. And, but sometimes, just, you know, we're playing a game, yeah. and, and the child turns and says, Grandpa, I love you. Now, I like that one. 
because I know that's mm. real, it's genuine, it's not forced. God gives us the freedom to say yes, but also the freedom to say no. And Lucifer was given a choice, a freedom, and a freedom to say no. The, the, one of the stories in the New Testament that most frightens me is the story of the rich young ruler. Here's this guy, religious, upstanding, moral, interested in spirituality, comes to Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, and, and he says, you know, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, sell what you have, give it away, and then you can come and follow me. And he says, Jesus, thanks, but no thanks. Mm. He can say no to the King of Kings. Now, that's a frightening freedom that we have. But the price we pay is that evil things can happen in our world. Mm. All right. We've got Tom on the line from Dallas. Tom, thank you for calling and for holding your question for Dr. Cook. All right. We've been uh, reading the book of Job. We assemble every day, twice a day in our family. Here and we believe that um, in uh, Acts 2:42 and Acts 4:32 and Hebrews 3:13 and Hebrews 10:25, uh, God tells us that that is the solution to the problem of uh, essentially the problems in families, the problems in communities, and the problems with uh, how are we going to take care of our children, how are we going to take care of our parents, and the health care issue. Uh, I uh, someone said one time uh, when the devil comes in and says "What if?" What we should say in in exchange is "But God," because there is a God who has an answer to these problems. And my question is, if uh, there are so many churches that I drive by and they're closed all week long, I wonder if we are by uh, closing all the churches during the week, the church buildings basically. Uh, are we opting in to this national health care plan? I don't think necessarily because you and your family are meeting uh, together for prayer, for Bible study, so you don't need church or church buildings in order to do that. What you need is a loving community which is supportive, and and that's one of the frightening things about the growing elderly. The older I get, the more worried about that I become. Who's going to look after me? But if you have a loving family, a loving community, then they can do that work. We shouldn't be looking to government, and we shouldn't be looking to the, the church as some external thing. We're part of the church. The church is made up of people and a loving community which cares for its members, cares for those of its own, and reaches out to those who don't belong. That's why we're concerned about the people in Burma. That's why we're concerned about those who suffer from natural disasters, whether it's New Orleans or somewhere else in the world. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Dr. David Cook, fellow and chaplain, Green College, Oxford University. Also receiving tomorrow the Doctor of Divinity degree at Criswell College. Dr. Cook has been the distinguished scholar for the Criswell College Oxford Distinguished Scholars Term for the last four summers. We're going back again this year, taking five of our best students to do one-on-one work with Dr. Cook, Oxford style. Dr. Cook, you have a vision for a different way of doing Christian education and uh, training leaders. And I want people to know that this is part of the Criswell College vision. That's why you're doing this every summer. Would you just talk for a moment about what you want to accomplish with these five students? Because I know we've got folks out there who are thinking, uh, well, I know this about Criswell College or that about Criswell College, but I didn't know about this Oxford term. This is something special, your vision and what we're doing. My vision is that God has given us minds so we can learn how to think 
We need to learn to think critically so we can make good judgments in a very complicated world. But we need to think creatively about how to deal with issues about healthcare, how to respond to suffering, how to respond to issues of witchcraft. And I believe that we need to do that one-on-one. That That's the great thing about the Oxford tutorial method. We teach people individually how to think, how to think critically, how to think creatively. And that's why I'm excited to be part of Criswell and receiving this honorary degree because it's, it shows that you as an institution take seriously the desire to grow. Jesus chose 12 people 12 disciples. Of those, three of them had special kinds of experience. They became the leaders of the church and turned the world upside down. We can do the same again. All right, that's breaking news at Criswell College. Dr. Cook, tomorrow receiving the honorary doctorate. We invite you to join us for the service at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, Gaston Avenue, Haskell. It's open to the public. Other news breaking here at Criswell College, Sunday night at 7 o'clock, Dr. W.A. Criswell returns to KCBI, 7 o'clock. Not back from the dead, but he being dead yet speaketh. There is a record. We have over 2,000 of Dr. Criswell's sermons, and we're going to begin to play some of the classics on Sunday night, 7 o'clock. And you could go to wacriswell.com and check some of those out now. Also, something else is happening Sunday, which is interesting. Dr. Criswell's home is going up for sale on Sunday. It's an open house on Sunday from 1 to 5. And all of the proceeds from that sale go to benefit Criswell College. So I want to encourage you after church, swing by the old Criswell house on Swiss Avenue, check it out, buy it. And uh, it's a great home. And uh, you'd be giving uh, to a worthy cause. Uh, Go to Ellen Terry's website to check that out. Well, we've talked about the problem of evil. Only the return of Christ will stop hurricanes, cyclones, earthquakes, and uh, cancers. Uh, Creation is groaning. And there's evil in our own lives. Only the cross of Christ can erase the guilt, the shame, the frustration. The resurrection of Christ gives us the victory over sin, over death, over the grave. We turn to Jesus. We look to Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Would you do that? Now next week, We're going to have a former Russian officer who inspired the movie The Hunt for Red October. You don't want to miss this. It's fascinating. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We'll join you next week. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.